Hello, I'm Mercedes Stevenson, and you're listening to The West Walk. It is now day 10 of the protest that has paralyzed Ottawa. Hundreds of transport trucks, vehicles, and thousands of people have come to Parliament Hill and the surrounding streets to loudly protest COVID-19 mandates, from vaccines to masks, while others are demanding that the Prime Minister and Liberal government resign. Protesters are moving in, literally delivering saunas, building structures, storing large amounts of propane and fuel, and some are even riding on horseback with one man carrying a Donald Trump flag. Police have described the demonstration as dangerous and volatile. Meanwhile, GoFundMe has cut off the $10 million that organizers had raised, citing evidence from police about illegal activity and violence. Organizers and the protesters say they come in peace and are just fed up with far-reaching government rules. And they're not going anywhere until the mandates do. As convoys spread across the country, we are joined by the Minister Responsible for Public Safety and National Security, Marco Mendicino. Thank you so much for joining us uh, today, Minister. Obviously, uh, situation on Parliament Hill and unfolding across the country that has drawn everyone's attention. A lot of politicians have described this as an occupation. Others endorse it. How would you describe what we're seeing in Ottawa? Well, I think in some places across the country, we've seen demonstrations, but we haven't seen significant disruption like we are seeing in Ottawa. I think if you were to ask a number of the residents in Ottawa, certainly they would tell you it feels like an occupation. Um, there have been significant interruptions to people getting to work, families dropping off kids, uh, people who have been threatened, harassed and worse, and they have every right to expect that the law will be enforced. Um, Ottawa police is the police of jurisdiction, but RCMP have accepted and approved all of the requests for additional resources on the ground. At the end of the day, this is a convoy about vaccines. 90% uh, of Canadians have gotten vaccinated, including truckers. The convoy can disagree, but they're not above the law, and there should be a peaceful resolution to this as soon as possible. I just want to go back to asking you, do, do you think that this is an occupation, or do you think it's still a protest in Ottawa? Well, I think that there are elements uh, that are concerning uh, and certainly where, you know, you see people who are bringing in, um, you know, propane jerry cans. When you hear about um, people uh, who have been threatened, harassed and assaulted and where there isn't law enforcement, then they don't feel safe. And that's why it's really important that we see Ottawa Police uh, Service uh, step up the enforcement. There are charges that are being laid. There are criminal investigations. All of that, of course, is being undertaken by the police. Um, the police are not a, an extension of the political part of the government. Um, but Canadians have a right to feel safe and certainly we'll keep supporting however we can. Do you think that the Ottawa police have done an adequate job here? I mean, when you see propane being hauled up onto Parliament Hill, I think back to the Canada 150. If you tried to take a canister of propane through that security, it never would have gone up. And that was certainly a peaceful event. In fact, it was a party. Uh, and now we see it right in front of the prime minister's office, right in front of uh, large crowds. Even if there was to be an accident and nothing intentional, there's a significant safety risk there. A lot of folks are saying, are you satisfied with the job that the Ottawa police have done? Or do you think it's time for the federal government to step in when the police are saying we're overwhelmed we're afraid of violence. In fact, we're so concerned about violence that we don't think we can really tell people what to do in this situation. Uh, Mercedes, I share that concern, and I've seen the same images as you, and I've seen other images around fireworks at the National Monument. I mean, we saw some protesters over the weekend who were riding horseback. 
Um, I think that all of these things are very important questions for the Ottawa Police uh, Service to reflect upon. We have seen some other uh, demonstrations in other parts of the province and around the country where people have been able to express different views, but with safety. Um, and I do think that there is a long-term reflection uh, for, for, for everyone. But at the end of the day, what we within the government can do is to um, provide support where we can. I had a good call with Mayor Watson, uh, and uh, following that, we were able to confirm additional resources uh, that would be provided by the RCMP, and we'll step up as much as we can. People have asked, why not call in the military? Why not from your perspective? Well, um, first and foremost, uh, there is a sequence to uh, how it is that uh, local law enforcement is supported. And I think it's just important to remind your viewers that um, were the Ottawa Police Service not uh, to feel as though they had the capacity to enforce the law on the ground, that under the law, the first step would be for uh, the police chief and the mayor to request the Ontario Solicitor General uh, to provide additional support through the OPP. That has not occurred as of this moment. And I think in the long run, um, we want to rely on the law enforcement to deal with a public uh, order event. Uh, this is not a military uh, operation. And as you know, Mercedes, you've covered that subject matter extensively over the years. The military and its purpose are not designed to keep the peace uh, locally in our communities. Uh, so uh, it's it obviously a last resort. In the meantime, uh, it's important that auto police uh, do their jobs on the ground. What is the national security picture in this? Because there has been concerns about foreign elements potentially funding. The GoFundMe has been frozen over concerns about violence uh, and harassment, according to GoFundMe. Uh, but we've also heard the Ottawa Police Chiefs talk about the involvement of the FBI, the Department of Homeland Security. If they're involved, that would be something your department would know about. So what is the picture of who are the people participating in this protest at an organizational level and funding it? And is there any truth to the fact, uh, pardon me, any truth to the allegation that some of this funding is coming from the United States or some concerns that I've heard from national security sources that some of the funding could be coming from China or from Russia? Well, it would be inappropriate for me to comment on any ongoing investigation. But what I will say in general terms is that um, it is concerning uh, when you see a large amount of money uh, come in. And I think it is appropriate that GoFundMe asked questions about what were the source of those funds and more importantly, what they were going to be used for. And clearly from GoFundMe's point of view, there were sufficient flags that they uh, felt it was important to suspend the distribution of those funds and to uh, decide what they were going to do with it. I also know that the Standing Committee on Parliamentary, uh, on the, sorry, the Standing Committee on uh, Public Safety will be studying this issue very carefully. And I do think that we need to be very cognizant of the fact uh, that there can be influence, but those uh, studies and those actions will be undertaken by the committee and law enforcement independently. You are a lawyer, but you're also a politician. And, and we've talked about this just in this interview even, that the demands that are being made here are political and beyond the demands, the frustration that a lot of folks who are out there protesting uh, and, and folks who aren't calling, for example, for the prime minister to step down or for the liberal government to be taken away and a government of citizens to be installed. People who are just saying, look, I'm really frustrated with the vaccine mandate and I want my life back 
are, are frustrated by your government's unwillingness to meet with them. Uh, former Sergeant of Arms of the House of Commons, Kevin Vickers, uh, who of course was involved in, in the ending, the shooting that happened up there in 2014. He was also Liberal leader in New Brunswick, so this is not a Conservative politician, has said that the government maybe should look at meeting with some of these people to try to de-escalate things, to try to listen and see if there are some rational demands to at least make them feel heard. Do you think that by coming out and, and taking the very tough tone that you have publicly and that the Prime Minister has publicly has fueled some of the radicalism in this? And do you think that perhaps you should meet down, uh, pardon me, should meet up with some of, of the more centrist um, and, and rational elements here? One of the elements of living in a democracy is that there will always be disagreements and disagreements in an exchange of ideas, including on the pandemic, has been one of the great engines of, of, of progress. And I will say that for those who uh, have that sense of fatigue, I think we all feel it. There have been highs and lows in the pandemic, and we all want to get back to life as normal pre-COVID. In our view, and we laid this out in an election very transparently, where Canadians had the freedom to choose, we believe that the best strategy to get there, to get to back to normal, is through vaccinations. But but and do you think you that you should be meeting that, as politicians with people who are engaged in the protest to try to de-escalate it? Well, again, I, I would just simply underline that um, quite apart from the convoy, we've been robustly engaging with Canadians in a very vigorous debate about this. And I know that the police have had some dialogue that is perfectly within uh, their domain and, again, operationally independent from the government with some of the leaders of the convoy. But at the end of the day, um, we have always been prepared to listen, Mercedes, when it comes to a, having a discussion around the best way out of the pandemic. Science has resolved that debate. You can okay, but the prime minister it, has said that he won't that he Canadians won't meet with unsafe. these people. It's it's not about the science, but about whether or not he might meet with them. He's saying he won't. We'll see if that changes, or perhaps if you will. But we are out of time for now. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks again for having me, Mercedes. Just days after Aaron O'Toole was ousted as Conservative Party leader, the party's finance critic Pierre Polyev is throwing his hat in the ring to become the next leader of the party. Former Minister of Foreign Affairs and Conservative commentator John Baird joins us now. Thank you so much uh, for making time for us this morning, Mr. Baird. I know you're a close friend of Mr. Polyev's. Why do you believe he should be the next leader of the Conservative Party? Well, thanks for having me. Uh, I've seen Pierre grow over the years. He's someone who I think will galvanize Conservatives, not just in the Parliamentary Caucus, uh, but across the country and galvanize Canadians. You know, you get such a unique background. He's someone who was born and raised in Alberta. He's been elected in a suburban riding uh, in Ontario seven times. He's got the brains, more importantly, the backbone to, uh, to be a very strong leader. Uh, you know, he's certainly a strong Conservative. No one's going to question that. I don't think anyone questions whether he can win this race. Uh, others are just going to be joining, it seems like, to raise the profile rather than because they have a chance against him. It's likely to be uh, essentially a coronation. The question for the Conservative Party, though, isn't whether he can unite Conservatives. It's whether he can unite Canadians in choosing to vote Conservative. Do you believe that someone who has been so bombastic in their past rhetoric um, and so hard on their conservatism will be able to draw in people who might have voted Liberal or for another party in a past election? Well, I think he's passionate and I think he's got uh, strong values and principles. And I think he'll have a message that uh, will excite uh, Canadians. Uh, I, uh, I think uh, the, the first challenge is obviously, uh, is obviously unifying Conservatives. Uh, we lost 550,000 votes in the last election. We want those people back. Uh, we, want to, uh, we want to get more Conservatives off the bench and in the game, more Canadians who are 
increasingly dissatisfied with the performance of uh, the current government uh, to pay attention. You know, I, I served in opposition for two years. It's really tough to be able to punch through. Pierre has uh, shown and demonstrated the capacity that he can punch through and get out a message uh, to Canadians. I mean, look, he had a million people uh, view his uh, launch in the last 12 hours. Uh, 85,000 people like it, coming on 20,000 people retweeting it. Uh, so he's already got off to a strong start and showing that he can communicate uh, with Canadians. And I think he's got a winning message. And listen, I first ran in politics with Mike Harris and then federally with Stephen Harper. Uh, people underestimated them and they should not underestimate Pierre. I think Pierre Polyev certainly can punch through on social media. He's got a very powerful presence there. That's different than getting people to the polls, though, and to vote for you. And, and a lot of his language is heavy in the rhetoric. He talks about just inflation for inflation, uh, which is something that countries around the world, the United States, the UK, are also dealing with. Uh, he talks about, in his launch video, wanting to make Canadians the most free, getting to keep more of your money, which he says the government is taking away and people are keeping lost. Uh, the federal government government hasn't raised taxes. I mean, there's a lot of rhetoric whoa, here. Whoa, 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 whoa. The federal government raised taxes on January the 1st in terms of That was scheduled. Tax. That was scheduled, the John. They, they haven't they, raised well, individual sorry, taxes on people. They did. They raised taxes in a big way when they first got uh, first got elected uh, back in uh, 2015. And let me say this. Pierre Polliver was talking about inflation. When you print a half a trillion dollars, Pierre was warning inflation uh, months and months and months ago. And the government and every major economist said, oh, no, there'll be no inflation in Canada. Don't worry. Then it'll be transitory. And now it's one of the number one concerns of Canadians. Well, and it Listen, is for Pierre's people in countries around the Pierre's world, been elected too. seven times in a suburban Ontario riding. It's uh, the riding I used to represent provincially. And uh, he's shown that he's been able to get those uh, middle class and working people uh, to, uh, to support him and to support his message. He actually went up in the last election in terms of his popular vote in his riding. And I think he'll be very strong at communicating, particularly in the 905 belt uh, around Toronto, which those voters look a lot like the ones that he represents in Parliament. He's chosen very strongly to associate himself with this truck protest, lots of pictures posing with them. Uh, when I went through his social media, he was talking about how it was a, a protest of peaceful, salt-of-the-earth Canadians who would give you the shirt off their back. You now have the police chief calling this an occupation, saying this is a city under siege. No sense that Pierre Polyev is going to back away from backing this protest. Do you not think that's potentially a political risk for him? Well, I think, you know, Pierre is speaking to the uh, the fatigue uh, and anger over government overreach. And uh, obviously, he stand up for uh, for freedom. Uh, but there'll, there'll always be a few bad apples in every uh, in every uh, basket. Uh, but Pierre well, a city uh, under siege is more than a, a few bad apples, with all I mean, due respect. I mean, comparisons that, I mean, some media have said that the Russians have endorsed this so that it's somehow uh, similar to uh, January the 6th in Washington. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's be realistic on this. That is uh, a temporary issue. Pierre speaking to the future uh, of what we can do to make Canada a more prosperous and a more free country. Do you think that he will be someone who can unite Canadians? Because a lot of folks say there's just so much division in politics that both sides of the political spectrum are trying to really pounce on this division and to use it for their own political gain, whether it's COVID frustrations or economic frustrations. Do you really believe he can be a unifier? And how does he do that? Does he have to change the past tone? Well, I think the uh, I think unifying the, the political discourse uh, in the 21st century has become increasingly difficult. Certainly, we know the incumbent hasn't been able to do that, and I think Pierre has a greater capacity uh, has a greater capacity than the incumbent. Uh, I think first and foremost, though, we need someone with a vision, uh, someone with a direction, someone with strong leadership, and someone who gives people some hope, uh, but that there's opportunity in the future. And I think Pierre is the one to do that. 
you know, listening to his video, some folks are saying they thought that it was Trumpian. He said things like, what the elites control, I'm going to put you back in charge your life. He quoted, you are the captain of your own soul, which uh, is likely the case no matter who the government is. And yet he never mentioned the Conservative Party of Canada once. And some analysts look at this and they say Donald Trump, when he ran, didn't talk about the Republican Party. He talked about himself. Is Pierre Polyev going to do this creating a cult of personality? Because he's not talking about the Conservative Party or running for that. He's talking about Pierre Polyev and running to be prime minister as if the leadership well, race is he, over. I, I reject the comparisons wholeheartedly. He's not, uh, he's not that type of politician. He's demonstrably uh, more thoughtful, demonstrably uh, more experienced. I think what you're going to see is that Pierre present himself as, a, uh, as an incredibly popular uh, leader of the Conservative Party and then present himself as a viable candidate uh, to be prime minister and to be a successful prime minister uh, when elected. John Baird. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you will likely have a prominent role in the campaign, and we'll check back in with you. Well, I'm looking forward to working with uh, the thousands of people who have already signed on support, people like Melissa Lansman, people like Brad this, and people like James Bizat. Uh, we're really excited with the support that we're getting. Thank you very much, Mr. Baird. Ottawa police have faced cutting criticism from many citizens in the capital city for allowing this demonstration to dig in for over a week now. Residents are raising concerns about intimidation and reports of assaults. They say police are not enforcing the law by allowing this to continue. Former Ottawa Police Chief Charles Bordelow is here to give us some insight into police operations. Thank you so much for joining us, Chief. We appreciate it. My pleasure, Mercedes. Good morning. It's been quite a week here in the capital. The police have actually come out and said that they feel they can't enforce certain laws because these are such dangerous protests. I don't think that that's something that people in the city of Ottawa ever heard the thought they'd hear a police chief come out and say that the police who we call when we think something is breaking the law to help us are unable to take this on because they believe it is too volatile and too high of a risk of violence. What are your thoughts on how policing in the capital has been handled uh, over the last nine or so days? Well, there's no question that this type of demonstration or, or occupation now, as some people are calling it, including myself, is something that uh, we've never seen in our city. In my 35 years of policing uh, in Ottawa and seven as chief, uh, we've never faced that type of situation in Ottawa. And uh, I think what the big difference here is, is that as opposed to people snake marching down, down in the downtown core during a regular demonstration, we had, there were trucks doing that and they stayed there. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, and you touched on that, is the impact that this has had on the residents uh, in the surrounding neighborhood. There's incidents of threats, intimidations, uh, there was assaults, there was uh, reported hate crimes, there were uh, flags being thrown about. You've got uh, people that uh, have been forced to close the Rideau Centre because of the impact on the employees and from a safety perspective. And you've got residents that fear coming out and walking on their streets uh, because of the intimidation that these demonstrators have been applying with respect to the downtown core. Now, what I heard the chief say that is that uh, this is a dynamic and volatile and dangerous situation and that there are laws uh, that uh, are uh, applicable and that uh, what we've seen as well in the past uh, day or two is the increase from an enforcement perspective, especially in the downtown core where these residents uh, are being felt uh, left, left out uh, of the picture 
uh, certainly during the, the first week uh, of this demonstration. So the laying of additional charges, holding offenders accountable for their behavior, you're starting to see an increased presence of police in, in those specific neighborhoods to deal with uh, what they've heard clearly from the residents as an unacceptable uh, service that they've received. There was a video on Twitter uh, that was posted on Friday night that basically showed protesters kind of chasing police away when they were talking to them. We have seen fuel being taken onto Parliament Hill that I've covered lots of Canada days, and if you tried to walk up there with a tank of propane, there was no way you'd get on. Um, and folks are looking at this and saying, it feels like the police have lost control. So how do we get out of this situation now from a policing perspective, and how dangerous do you think it is? Well, from a policing perspective, uh, there are opportunities to, to try and, you know, they've been successful in trying to negotiate and reduce the number of, of demonstrators. So that's one success from that perspective. Now, but now you've got a core group of people <clears throat> that have decided to stay and you've got an influx coming in this weekend. So how do you manage those? And I think that the, the time for negotiation with respect to police and trying to get, get them, I think that's been exhausted to a certain amount of time. So now it's a matter of, the, the application of use of force to start removing uh, individuals and removing equipment. That comes with uh, some consequences and the uh, high risk of, of injuries. And I don't have access to the intelligence that they have, uh, but there may be other threats that, that are there uh, that are, are, are factoring in, into the equation as to when to move and when not to move. And, and history has shown that when police go in, and use force uh, in in breaking out breaking down demonstrations. Uh, there there can be disastrous consequences. Uh, so, but but I think you you are coming to a point now in, in Ottawa that we see is that the public is demanding that uh, there comes an end to this protest, and that the police uh, will need to start stepping up their enforcement efforts with respect to you know different camps being uh, set up. You've got, as you said, diesel fuel being brought in, the supplies, there's a whole supply chain that has been set up to support them. So, uh, you know, what, what can police do to try to uh, preempt that supply chain and try to further contain and isolate these demonstrators to a, to a number uh, that is that is safe enough for them to go in then and start doing some interventions and arrests? The police have taken a lot of criticism for not planning adequately for this and for allowing it to get where it is. But how much do you hold police accountable and how much do you hold politicians accountable for what are political demands? So uh, I don't have access to the plans. So it's, I think it's too early to determine whether or not they had the right plans. And if they had the right plans, what went well and what didn't go so well. So there will be time to review that. Uh, but I can tell you that, you know, this is, and, and the chief alluded to it in, in one of his press conferences as far as, you know, this may not be a policing solution. I, I think in large part, it's a policing solution that, that is needed. However, uh, there's, there's things that can be done at the political level uh, or not be done at the political level that will help uh, manage the adverse impacts that we've had. We've had politicians go up and, and, and take pictures uh, with some of the demonstrators. And I can get it when normal demonstrations take place that are contained on the Hill. That's normal and that's normal practice for politicians to do that. When, when knowingly they know that this has had a tremendous impact on our businesses, our residents in the downtown core, uh, and they've been living through hell for the past week, 
with the noise, the diesel smells, the intimidation, that them going out and taking pictures is just like taking a, a jerry can full of diesel fuel and going out and fueling those trucks that are actually parked in neighborhoods. They're, they're giving them legitimacy and they're, they're fanning the flames and, and of, this, of this protest and that, that has to stop and because they have a, a huge role to play in, in trying to de-escalate and to help Ottawa police and help this community uh, uh, go beyond this and, and solve this. Chief Borlow, that's all the time we have. Thank you for your insight and your expertise. You're quite welcome, Mercedes. That's our show for today. For the West Block, I'm Mercedes Stevenson.